Hi, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced and recorded in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. You know, during the pandemic, at least in our local community, one of the issues that that our educators and our K-12 school districts in Athens County had to confront was the issue of food security for students. There were so many students because they were not able at various points of time during the pandemic to come into the school buildings. They were trying to figure out how to still support the nutritional needs of many of those students who go in and out of food insecurity on a regular basis uh, just because of the community that we live in. We're going to be talking about this issue of food insecurity today with Dr. Julia Oleanju. She's a research scientist who specializes in molecular genetics, but in 2015, she founded Food Niche, an organization that works to disrupt and improve the food industry. And then in 2022, Julia followed, uh, founded a partner organization called Food Niche Ed, an organization that empowers teachers to make science education impactful for students, particularly in the area of nutrition. Julia, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. I'm glad to be here. I, I'm excited to start the conversation Um talking more broadly about your background before we start getting more deeply into food niche ed. Um, your background is that you are a researcher um, in the area of genetics um, who also has gotten very deeply involved uh, in issues related to food and nutrition. Can you talk about your life story? Because I know that it also is impacted by a family member where you were trying to learn more in support of them. What's your background? Yes, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. I have a background in genetics. My undergrad and my PhD um, is in genetics, molecular genetics. And I've always been very curious about how uh, we can improve health. We can help people improve health um, through different um, understanding of mechanisms that occur in our body. But what really happened a few years ago, uh, my dad, who was on a special diet uh, due to some medical challenges, was with me. I was responsible for taking care of him. And I noticed that when he veers off his diet, no matter how minute um, the changes he makes to his diet could be, his physical um, body changes so quickly. And I was really, really curious. I was wondering what happens on a molecular level because my mind has been trained to think on a molecular level. So at that time, I would be just so um, intrigued to see what's really going on here. And fortunately for me, a few years later, I was able to engage in research uh, where we studied uh, the some compounds found in food and how it um, impacts our health, specifically in area of um, uh, breast cancer. We were focused on understanding the mechanism of a particular compound we call isothiocyanate. It's found in prosperous vegetables. We studied how um, its anti-cancer property and the mechanism of action in humans. So that was um, that was part of me that was seeking more knowledge along those areas. But in terms of supporting my dad, I was looking for information, looking to learn more of simple tips, practical ways in which I can help him um, eat better, live stronger, and, and just manage better his health challenges at the time. And that was when I actually noticed the gaps. And I noticed the, the different issues people struggle with in our community today. And of course, that led me on a journey uh, to try to see 
how, of course, the journey started with just trying to see how I can help my father and how I can get resources to help my father, but later evolved into seeing how he can help other people as well. And today, I'm not sure if you this is something you're familiar with, Scott, but today I realized that more than 50% of adults in America struggle with preventable chronic diseases that are related to poor eating patterns and physical inactivity. One in five children in America is obese. So when you think about the numbers, and you also think about the fact that more, um, this is three times the numbers we had a few decades ago where most of the adults today were children, then you see that this is a trajectory that is not desirable. It's a trajectory that needs to change. And that's how our food niche head came about. So I do want to come back to um, having you talk more about the specific nutritional challenges that um, that children are facing in our schools. But before I do that, can you talk a little bit about Food Niche, the the other organ, the 2015 organization? Because I know that that organization hosts an international conference related to food, and and um, and I just want you to talk about sort of your interface with the food industry through that other organization. And then we'll use that as a way to get into how you're now doing that with education. Sure. So yes, um, Food Niche was founded um, based on one important notion that we've seen, and that is that um, change or improving the food system we have today is not something one organization can do or one person or one advocate can do. It's something that requires collaboration and it requires knowledge sharing. There's a lot of discoveries being made in the scientific communities every day. And there's also a lot of um, innovation happening in the marketplace. There is a need for these two parties to come together, share knowledge so that we can enhance what is going out in the marketplace. And that's where this, uh, uh, our summits come into the picture. We create opportunities for thought leaders and stakeholders to come together for knowledge sharing and thought-provoking conversations around how we can shape a healthier and sustainable food system. A lot of people are doing different things to tackle um, different areas of the problem we have today. But bringing them together, they see they, and they learn and also we create opportunities for them to collaborate. We see uh, the summit as something that bridges the gap uh, between people in academic environment where they are making discoveries every day and people in the marketplace that are driving innovation and bringing products to directly to consumers. The bottom line is, can we improve what people see in the stores today? Can we help people eat better and live stronger? Yes, but the journey starts when we start sharing knowledge and we start collaborating for a better future. So that is where um, that is how our summit um, came about, and of course, it's um, it's grown from being um, a national uh, summit that we hold was just in the U.S. to so having international collaborators come into the picture uh, for uh, to participate in all the sharing as well. One of the I, I think one of the fundamental questions um, is you know, as you talk about, you know, the, the interface between food, nutrition, and healthy lifestyles, obviously one of the critical issues is having the right type of food available to people, right? Like, so, you know, what, what is, I mean, you know, you don't have to go and do an entire lesson on nutrition, but, but what's the difference between a healthy diet and the type of food that you would eat and the type of diet that many people eat that's not quite so healthy? 
Okay, so one of the things that I, uh, I tell people a lot of times when, we, when it comes to food and health is that we're all very different. So something might work very well for me and um, it might not work that well for you. So it's very important for people to know where they are, what works for them, and what doesn't. Sometimes we bring um, experts together and they talk, uh, they talk about uh, specific um, discoveries. We might talk about specific food types that is really innovative and, um, and it's um, helping improve health in a particular way. One thing I'm very fond of saying is talk with your healthcare provider before you make any changes to your diet. Why? Because sometimes people are on specific medication and, and um, the doctor is the only one that knows the active ingredients in this medication and how it can interact with other food types that you might eat. So like I was saying earlier on, my studies, I studied particular compound that is found in food. And one thing we observed during my studies that different cell lines, I work with 13 different cell lines, and each of those cell lines um, interacted differently with the same compound. They're all human cell lines, human breast cancer cell lines, but the responses were all different. Why? Because in each of us, we have something we call SNP, which is a genetic variation that we all have. And this genetic variation comes out in different ways and it affects how we respond to things as well, including food. So I might come to you today and tell you, hey, I eat six bowls of um, maybe broccoli in a day or in a week or something, and it makes me feel this way. And I'm all excited about it. And you might try exactly the same thing and get a very different res result. So one of the key things is understanding you, understanding what works for you, and learning more about what you're trying to adopt talking to your physician about it to get an approval in terms of, yes, this works and it works with whatever medical regimen you're on before moving ahead. So healthy food, I think the most important thing is prioritizing eating well and, and, and getting clarity on what that means for you based on where you are on your journey currently and, um, and sticking with it. So that's that's um, our best I can answer that uh, mm -hmm. that question. Um, yes. So let's turn back to the discussion of the challenges that children face. You mentioned obesity uh, as being one of the challenges, one in five children being affected by that. Um, we also know that there's food insecurity where children um, uh, maybe do not have a regular source of food uh, that remains consistent. As you look across the landscape, um, what you know? What are what are the challenges that are facing uh, children um, that can, you know, perhaps start to explain, uh, you know, why we simultaneously have hungry kids and also obese kids? Uh, yes, it's uh, it's unfortunate that we 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 have both scenarios playing out here in the U.S. Um, one of the key things that we've seen and studies are really there's a lot of studies that have been done in this area is that obesity um, is causing a lot of challenges beyond um, health challenges. Uh, uh, studies have shown that obese children are more likely than their normal weight peers to repeat a grade, struggle with emotional um, challenges and mental health challenges as well. Also, um, students that are not eating well and um, 
students that live in some areas where we call food deserts today, where they do not have good access to um, good nutrition or, um, yeah, on a daily basis, whether for, for different um, reasons, most, most reasons is economic um, reasons. Um, those kids have their challenges and they have um, challenges they face with the academics as well. However, there are a lot of programs today in most schools that uh, provides meals to these students in school or um, help them to supplement whatever they have to, to get access to good food in schools. So, but in terms of the obese, uh, in terms of obesity and challenges along those lines, there are different things that have been done but there is a lot more that we can do. And there are a lot of studies that pointed us in directions that we can go as well in terms of what we can do to tackle this um, issue. But to your point, yes, these are challenges we face in America today. Um, but I think a very strong one that is really, that we, we not figured out completely and we have room to grow and develop in is the issue of obesity. So, we, you know, through our discussion so far, we've established um, the observation that what we eat is important. So, you know, our, our food intake is, is tied to our nutrition and our healthy um, lifestyles. Um, we've established that there are challenges facing children. So let's turn now and talk about Food Niche Ed, um, which is your attempt to try to raise knowledge levels about food um, amongst children. Can you talk about what that platform is and what the objectives are that you're trying to accomplish with the platform? Sure. So um, the platform is an engaging uh, platform where teachers can easily get students engaged around learning the science of food and health. So a lot of times we have, we tell people, we tell kids, oh, eat your vegetables. Um, it's your fruits, eat this, eat that. But this is focused more on helping students to understand why. Why should I eat vegetables? Why should I eat that? Why should I store food at different temperatures? Why should I, you know, ch um, children generally are curious. They have questions. When you ask them to do something, the first thing is why. And a beautiful thing about science is science is focused on helping people answer the question why you know why does this work in this particular way so let me give you an example i might tell a child to um to store meat at cold temperatures and the i might say okay store it at four degrees celsius or store it at this particular temperature and the the child is curious why can't i just leave it on the countertop why should i put it somewhere but when you explain to them why why that step is very important. Um, not only will they follow through well in most cases, but the goal is bringing the knowledge of science, saying, okay, there are microbes that are found on food. These microbes all have optimal temperatures. And if you store at this temperature, which is below the optimal temperature of this microbe, the microbe will not thrive. Your food will be safe. So that is why we store at low temperature. So it's not really... Um, in instructing them it's um, in terms of telling them what to do it's more of giving them a rationale for what they are doing helping them apply that knowledge of science to everyday life we could talk about digestion in science class but we can um, with the platform you can relate that digestion that we just talked about to 
what they do at home. We could talk about what happens when they eat very um, uh, food that has so much fat in it. How does it affect their digestive uh, system or the downstream effect in terms of what happens in their blood vessels, the lining of the blood vessels with, and what the impact of that could be over time. We could talk about digestion and also talk about broccoli. What happens when you hit broccoli? It's broken down. There are compounds found in this simple broccoli plant that could be very beneficial to you. And there are many studies that documented that, that um, documented this fact as well. So showing them why their choices matter and how over time making consistently good choices could impact their health as a grown-up or even impact their health as a teen. So just helping them understand what works in their body, how things work in their body. And for teachers, they're already teaching the kids science and now they're doing more because we're creating a tool that makes it very easy for them to apply the knowledge of science to everyday choices. So I, we see this platform, simply put, as a, a tool that en empowers teachers to introduce science of food and health in the classroom, helping them understand what they're doing better, they understand the science better, and they can apply that knowledge in everyday life. Yeah, I was able, you know, to get on the platform and I, I actually watched the broccoli video. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, and what I thought, and, and I think you explained it really well, is that, you know, the video, it was very short, very consumable, no, no pun intended. <laughs> um, right. It was very short, and but yet it did a really brilliant job of describing the different properties of broccoli and how when you actually chew them and digest them that it forms a I, I'm maybe using my lay terminology here, Julia, so you can correct me, but it forms a new substance that then becomes beneficial. I thought, you know, that was my takeaway from watching that video. And there was also a really interesting one on blueberries that I watched. And and what I thought was really interesting about it, I mean a couple of things. One is that the videos are they're they're based out of animation, and I want to ask you questions about that choice in just a moment. But but that they presented a very consumable scientific fact that could become not only a point of discussion for a teacher, but also uh, a bit of knowledge that is just going to be intriguing to a student that might be eating broccoli or a blueberry as part of their lunch. Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, the the goal uh, is to help them, of course. Um, give them information, bite-sized information uh, that also helps them think differently about what they're eating. We we have more videos uh, when when you log in. Pretty much, they get uh, new videos every week, and each of them focus on different areas and different topics. We have another video that talks about why do you drink water? Why sh why can't you just drink? Should should we drink all the time? And we talk about the components of the body, what percentage of, um, of your body is actually water, how water supports your body. And we just talk about all those different things. The bottom line for us really is to help them understand why. You know, we could, it's easy for teachers to tell them, hey, drink six cups of water every day or eight cups of water every day or eat this amount of this. But helping the kids satisfying their curiosity in, um, in an engaging way, an interactive way. One other part of the platform that I want to mention is um, 
the the forum. It's each 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 teacher that signs up have a unique forum just for a class, and teachers can actually help kids compete. So one of the things we've heard back from teachers that participated in the pilot is that uh, they love the fact that students love the social networking element to it, being able to uh, communicate with their teacher, being able to compete with their peers, because the end points every time they uh, submit their they submit their, their work. So we have prompts, they have worksheets, they have uh, different things that teachers can assign to them. So when they submit the hand points, and at the end of each cycle, the teacher could give um, a gift to, or a reward to the person with the highest points. And one of the things we've seen is that even students that are low performing in class and not really interested in their work got really, really interested in this competition. And of course, because there's a reward at the end of it, they want to be they want to learn everything they need to learn so that they can engage as much as they need to engage and ultimately win the prize. So one of the things we're seeing here is beyond the resources they're digesting, uh, there's peer-to-peer learning, peer-to-peer sharing, and healthy competition going on, making the whole thing engaging for them. So the videos that uh, you have on the platform, um, as you just mentioned, is one piece of it. There's also worksheets and and the interactive nature. The videos themselves are animated, um, which, uh, you know, I found, I mean, we teach animation in our college and and these videos are great in the way that they were done that. Why why did you make the choice for it to be an animated um, format rather than, you know, somebody doing a lecture or talking? Yes, so we we wanted to reach um, a broad spectrum of students from, um, especially the lower levels as well, K um, K to um, eight for now, but we ultimately K to twelve. And we know that there's some things that um, students find more attractive. You get their attention. They they sit down all day with their teachers. They they get the instruction. So this gives them a break from the numb, and it's also. Um, excited. Some of them grew up with some of their favorite shows uh, being animation. So seeing something animation, um, something in that format gives a bit of an exciting feeling at first. Like, oh, this will be fun. Uh, it doesn't feel like class extended uh, in that sense. So that is one of the one of the um, thought process that we had when we're brainstorming how best to approach this. We want something uh, that will excite them about learning. I want something that is bite-sized, um, I mean, information that's bite-sized as well. So those are the two, um, two things that we thought about. We thought about um, what they will feel, what they will enjoy, and how we can keep them engaged as well. So we think they will keep coming back to animated video compared to someone lecturing them. Um, yes, so that's, that's really the thought process behind yeah. that. Absolutely. Um, so if a teacher, um, we're going to provide a link to um, Food Niche Ed uh, in the text that accompanies the podcast. So listeners, you'll be able to follow the link and, and watch some of the um, sample videos that that we've been uh, describing here. And, and I would encourage you to do that. So if a teacher, um, Julia, decides that they want to adopt the use of Food Niche Ed in their class, what are the steps that you recommend that they go through in terms of using it effectively and ways that they can integrate it into their classroom? Sure. So one of the key things uh, we encourage teachers is uh, to 
So make it fun for the students. So one of the things that we've seen that's very effective is um, creating a program around it. So what I mean by that is, oh, for the next four weeks or for the next six weeks or eight weeks, we're going to uh, we're going to implement this platform um, and the resources in the science program. But at the, this is not just all we're doing. At the end of this program, um, the person with the highest points will, have, will get this particular reward. The reward might be going on a on a trip um, to their um, whatever. This teacher told us about they had a special garden and they had special um, uh, resources in school that they gave the kids access to. Whatever excite the kids as a reward, the teacher could make that available to them. And uh, I, I, I personally believe that how the teacher presents the resource to the students matters a lot. And so starting with that, it's pretty much allowing the kids to access the platform every single um, time, they, every single class period as the teacher designs. It's very easy to access, to just create an account. The students do not really have to enter their name or email. Once the teacher creates an account, a, a code is generated which the teacher will give to the students and they will use that code and the Google Classroom link to enter the platform. So anytime the teacher assigns the work, the, the students can easily log in and access all the resources on their own. Also, the teacher does not really have to do anything. We have a dashboard for teachers where they can see all the activities of the students and how they are progressing and what they're doing. Also, everything the students share in their, um, their part of um, on the platform is just for that classroom alone. The teacher can share with them, the students can share with the teacher and their peers in their same classroom. Nobody else can see what they're doing. Uh, by that I mean, yeah, nobody else can see what that class is all about. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's very simple, it's very straightforward, and it's very user-friendly. But it all starts with the teacher creating an account, signing up, and sharing the code with the students, and things move on from there. Yeah, I have. To, I, I mean, I, I haven't taught on this platform, obviously, but I have to say that in in looking through it, you know, all teachers we experience different types of what we call systems, you know, in 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 our teaching activities, and some of those are, you know, they're just albatrosses because it takes so much effort to not only learn them ourselves, but then to help our students use them. And this platform, uh, you know, just visually is very clean and and you know looks like something that. Um, it just looks great, and I th I'm sure that the students are very engaged by it. So, uh, kind of to finish things out, uh, Julia, you know, your background as a research scientist. I mean, your your career has been built on, you know, doing interventions and then studying the effects of those. I'm sure that you've asked questions uh, in your own mind about uh, this intervention of Food Niche Ed and how it's having an effect. Have you started to um, glean any insight on on uh, information about how this might be affecting behaviors? Yes. So um, we did a pilot first um, before um, before we even rolled out. We've done a number of pilots with um, small groups of, of, of students. And one of the things we wanted to understand was how would this affect their behavior in terms of what they eat, how they eat. So we had um, we had this this pilot over the summer and feedback from that. So I'll give you an example. There was a particular mom. She told me that our son, after breakfast, 
Aston would um, go back into the fridge and be looking through the fridge. And she, she had to ask, okay, you just had breakfast. What are you looking for? said, I'm thinking about a healthy option I can make for lunch so that I can share it on the platform. So, um, and she told me that over, after the, after the challenge, we had, um, it was a three week um, challenge that, of course, over those three weeks, he was busy doing that. He was doing it just for the challenge. But what ultimately happened was even after the challenge, that behavior continued. He will pick something in the store. And before you know it, he flips it over and is reading all the details of what is inside at the back. And the boy is 11. He's reading all the details of what is um, what is included in the food, reading the label at the back to understand what is inside the food, if it's good for him or not. And we had him saying that, before this, it wasn't really big on nutrition or anything like that, but it joined it for the challenge, for the competition. But over time, repeatedly trying to learn, trying to um, get the right thing to share, it got into a habit of really looking at what he's eating closely. And that's the whole idea. We, of course, we want people to understand, we want the students to understand why and develop a rationale for uh, what they're doing um, in terms of the choices they're making with food. But beyond that, we want them to take action. And that was why I said um, earlier on that it's really important to set the tone and saying, hey, there's a reward at the end of this. So um, help them to take action on what they are learning, make better choices, share and influence their peers. I don't know if you are familiar with you are with kids. Sometimes when they're fully persuaded about something, they don't keep it to themselves. They tell their grandmom, they tell their mom, they tell everybody. They don't care if you want to listen or you don't. They'll tell you, oh, you're having that much sugar. It's not good for you. You know, they just keep um, um, talking about it. So we want them to be fully persuaded about uh, the uh, food, a good food for them and, and how important food is to their health so that they're not just making good choices for themselves. They're also um, telling other people and becoming little brand ambassadors in their own way. Beyond that as well, I want to add that there are a lot of studies that have been done um, talking about um, effect of nutrition education on uh, behavioral change. There are also studies that have shown that web-based solutions as well goes a long way to influence uh, behavioral change in young um, young students as well. So yes, very, very particular about what the impact of this will be and how it will influence uh, students, especially when it comes to making better cho food choices. We believe that um, number one, knowing and being, having enhanced knowledge around this area will help them uh, think about what they're eating more. And, and also we believe that activities around this will encourage them to take action and repeated action over time stays, sticks. So we're hoping that it sticks as well. But beyond that, we look forward to collaborating with other uh, investigators to study how tools like this can actually tackle this issue of obesity over time. Yeah, it's very, I, I, I just have to say that uh, I, I love the way that you talked about the intergenerational dialogue that happens when you empower the student to understand some of these topics and then how that starts to affect other generations within their family. I think that's fascinating. And, and of course, as a communication researcher, that's exactly the type of thing that I would also be interested in is that secondary effect of that knowledge and how it spins out. So, well, I, I guess the last question that I have for you, Julia, is, um, you know, you've, you've started to disrupt the food industry. Uh, now you're disrupting 
um, how health and science is taught in education. Where do you see this going next? I mean, you know, you've got an outstanding platform and you mentioned that you want to uh, perhaps expand to the high school age groups, but where do you see this initiative that, you know, is a passion in your life? Where do you see this going in the future? Yeah, so um, the big thing that we're looking forward to is actually seeing um, the impact. So, of course, we're starting small. We're starting um, in this region and then expanding and expanding to uh, different parts of the country and beyond. But for us, the big the big uh, thing for us is actually seeing the effect, seeing the if a measurable measurable change in behavior over time, and seeing people um, really be empowered to make better choices, but beyond that, to live healthier and stronger lives. So that's that's the big goal for us. We want to go beyond just um, helping students. We want to help their parents as well. So that's something we see in the future as well, that having a resource that help our parents also. Uh, because we believe that when, um, when kids are informed and they have support at home, it goes a long way to um, influence change and the desirable change at that. So uh, we're, we're excited about what is going on, the traction we're having. But beyond that, we're looking forward to a future where we see a lot of informed kids that are, are making better choices and also creating influence in their own space as well, um, helping people to know more about food and their health. Well, I just have to say, I, I wish you the best of luck with your efforts. And um, I, I would note to listeners that uh, that the platform um, that we've been talking about food niche, uh, food niche ed um, teachers at the individual class level can uh, can you know get into uh, using this uh, and an entire schools can can do this. There are different pricing structures, obviously for those. But I would encourage you to check it out. And I also think that um, this example is another example of how I think animation is being used in such an interesting way. Um, for very intentional reasons to um, affect change among children. Uh, Julia, we've we've had podcasts last season um, that use similar concepts to teach cultural awareness. And um, I think that it's really interesting about how animation is becoming one of the really, in some ways, most important tools that we have as teachers. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a license to see that too. And uh, yeah, the kids love it too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my uh, thank you for your time today. My guest today was Dr. Julia Oleanju. She's a research geneticist, but now she's a uh, warrior trying to improve the health of, of children and their families uh, through various uh, industry platforms, uh, most of which we're talking about today is Food Niche ED, uh, which you can visit by following the link in the text of the podcast. Our audio, audio engineer today uh, was Adam Rich. He's also an associate producer. I'm Scott Titchworth, your host. Thank you for listening to Teaching Matters, and we look forward to seeing you next time.